You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Ready to listen to God's word. Ephesians chapter 1. So again, we're in the epistles right now. The, the epistles, Paul's most powerful books really in, in the New Testament. Four short epistles. Epistles just mean book, basically. So we've already gone through Galatians. I had uh, Pastor Austin, my brother, fill in last week, and then he talked on something else. So today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. And so uh, Ephesians is another great epistle. Galatians was great. If you go back to Galatians, what we read, great stuff. You can read that again. But Ephesians is a great book to read. Um, Basically, the whole theme of, of Ephesians is encouragement. Paul has nothing against anybody. He's not like preaching hardcore gospel. He's not spitting out fire and saying, you guys, are, you guys need to get right with the Lord. It's just basically encouragement, and he's thankful for, for everyone here in, here in Ephesus. He loved the Ephesian church. So the, again, this is Paul's book to the Ephesians. Just a little background before we get into it. Ephesians was written around 60 AD. So that's before Paul would, Paul would be beheaded. Paul would be beheaded around 63, 64 A.D. So this is one of last, uh, the last book of, of Paul that he would write um, in our New Testament. Now, our New Testament Bible, if you read from Matthew to Revelation, it's not really in chronological order for time-wise. So if you read a chronological Bible, Ephesians would be one of the last books written, all right, next to Revelation. Revelation is obviously the last book. But we have Paul writing in 60 A.D., And basically the theme, again, is to strengthen and encourage the churches here in Ephesus and around. Now, Ephesus today is in modern-day Turkey. It was called Asia Minor. Ephesus was on the port city, and the the Aegean Sea was right there. It was a beautiful city back then, but it was a pagan city. There There were not that many churches there. There was a church here in Ephesus that Paul specifically wrote to, but it really was a pagan nation, a pagan city with with temple worship, um, God and goddesses that were just shrines everywhere, and it was just, it was just a, not a good place to be. It's like Las Vegas for today. That was his Las Vegas. And he preached the gospel there in Ephesus. They didn't like him. They kicked him out. That was five years later, five years earlier than five years later, jumped to 60 AD. Paul writes it back to the church of Ephesus, loving this church of how they're growing in their faith and maturing in their faith and spreading the gospel. So he loves this church. Now that the city needs to get saved, but the church is doing their part, They're preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved. He loves that. And so it was written to explain the nature and purpose of the church. He wants to explain how we are the body of Christ. We need each other. Let's fellowship. Let's grow in our faith and then spread the gospel. That's what Paul was talking about here in Ephesians. That's the whole kind of book as a whole. You can look back in Acts chapter 18 through 20. You don't have to do it now, but you can write that down if you want. Acts 18 through 20 is the history of Paul in Ephesus. And there was a lot of things that going on. Paul's preaching the gospel. There's a riot that happens. They kick him out of Ephesus. They're like, Paul, we don't want you preaching this stuff, dude. We don't like this stuff. We like worshiping our gods and goddesses, our temple shrines. We don't need you. And Paul says, okay, okay, I'll go preach somewhere else. And so then he finds this church in Ephesus growing. The church is growing. It, the, the, the message of Jesus is spreading. And so Paul's greatly encouraged. And he writes this book to the church of Ephesus. Now, Paul's in prison, though. Now, I'm not going to get, again, into the, all the, the whole timeline, but Paul's in prison in Rome. It's kind of like a house arrest he's at. And he would write Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians right here in prison. So he's not, he's not on some sandy beach. He's not like, you know, having a great time listening to Justin Bieber's new album, sitting on the beach and just saying, yeah, life's good. No, he's, he's in prison writing this book. So it's kind of depressing, yet he's still encouraged. He is so encouraged to hear. He's overjoyed. 
on what the church of Ephesus is doing. And that is what we're going to read in chapter 1. We're going to read chapter 1, just a few verses, and then jump to verse 15 and read the rest of the passage. What we're going to talk about for our theme today is a prayer of thanksgiving. And so what better to talk about thanksgiving and what we're thankful for the Sunday before Thanksgiving? That's what Paul's thankful for. We're going to see what Paul is thankful for, what his thankful, thankfulness wishes, and then I want to talk about you and me and how we need to be very thankful and grateful for what we have in America and in just in the church in general. So today is kind of a Thanksgiving theme topic. It's going to be a great one. And what better to do it before the feast of Thanksgiving? And, you know, we're only four days away. Three, four days away? Yes? Four? Yes. We're only four days away. I was good at math in high school. We're only four days away from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the greatest holiday of all time in our calendar, all right? In all of 365 days, next to Christmas, I get that, next to Christmas, you've got Thanksgiving. Why? Because you've got the greatest words in the English language. Family, food, football. Can I get an amen? Family, food, football. The greatest words in the English language, all right? Thanksgiving. Now, again, a lot of people don't really know what Thanksgiving is all about, and that's kind of sad. And I'm not going to talk about the Thanksgiving you know, story, the pilgrims, the Indians, squash, corn, squanto, Mayflower, Nina Pinta Santa Marina, 1620s, Plymouth Rock, belt buckle shoes, the pilgrims, the Indians, yo. No, they didn't do that. I actually wanted to grow up to be a pilgrim when I was young. I, I think I dressed up as a pilgrim once for Halloween. I loved pilgrims. <laughs> Why is that funny? Anyway, I did. I was just a weird kid. I loved pilgrims. Um, I wanted to be a pilgrim, and then I grew up, and I realized, man, they had kind of had a hard life. <laughs> Did not want to be a pilgrim anymore. Uh, but look, we all know the story. 1620, they come in, and why is Thanksgiving celebrated? It's because they come in, and they give thanks to God for what he has done. There's a harvest. They've planted corn, squash. They have a feast. It's the first Thanksgiving meal. They invite the Indians to come. Some of the Indians did get saved by the pilgrims. You read church history and stuff. It was actually pretty cool. You got Squanto there, Squanto, Samoset. That's all I know, the, the two famous Indians. They come in, have fellowship time. It's a Thanksgiving feast. Then later down the road, 200 years later or so, in the 1860s, President Abraham Lincoln actually makes it official the Thanksgiving holiday, where we celebrate the fourth Thursday of every November is when we celebrate Thanksgiving. He makes it official. We should be thankful every single day for what God has done for us, what God has given us, what God has blessed us with. There are so many things we can be thankful for, so many things we can be thankful for, even the petty small things that we kind of take for granted, that we, think, we don't even think about, that we can be thankful for, honestly. And that's what Paul is talking about to the church in Ephesus, I want to see and talk about what Paul's thankful for, and I want to talk about you and me, and ask the question, what am I thankful for? What am I thankful for? And I know that's kind of cliche, but honestly, since we're in this theme, we're around this holiday, let's truly ask ourselves, what am I thankful for that God has just given me, that God's blessed me, that I don't even deserve? But let's first see what Paul has for us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to dive in. We have a lot of information Keep a hand in Ephesians chapter 1, and I also want you to keep a hand or a bulletin or something in Psalm 100. We're going to end the day with Psalm 100, one of the greatest psalms ever written. But let's start with Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 1 and uh, follow along as I read. It says here, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful, or the believers, in Christ Jesus 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Jump down to now verse 15. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks. There's that word. You can underline that. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's pause and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. Lord, as we think of what's coming up in our holiday calendar, Lord, that Thanksgiving is a day where we can be with family and friends and loved ones and just have a good time eating and fellowshipping and watching football, Lord. We understand that that's all great, but Father, help us to always remember what we're thankful about, who we're thankful for. Lord, it's ultimately you. You've given us everything we've ever wanted, we've ever needed, Lord. You're just there for us, providing for our daily needs, and we want to take this Sunday before Thanksgiving to just reflect on you, be thankful for what we have, be thankful for who you are, thankful for a church, Lord. We we thank you so much just for what you've given us. So as we read today in Ephesians chapter 1, help us to remember what it means to have a prayer of thanksgiving, that we can always be thankful every day for everything you've given us. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing, as Ephesians chapter 1. So Lord, open our eyes today, open the eyes of our heart as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. So let's look uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 again. Again, we're here before Thanksgiving, and I want to look at verse 15 real quick. We, ta- we looked in chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, but let's look at verse 15 again. That's our theme really for today. Verse 15, Paul is saying this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks. So again, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's giving thanks for them, and he says, every, every time I keep hearing about your love for the saints, your faith is growing, I, I never stop giving thanks to Jesus Christ for what he's done through you all. That's his thankful prayer. Then he says this, he says, comma, thanks for you, comma, remembering you in my prayers. Constantly remembering the church of Ephesus and praying for them. So he gives us two things he's praying for the church in Ephesus and how he's thankful for them. Let's look at it real quick. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. And then he says this, I pray also, number two, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know, and he gives us three things that he wants us to know, the ones of the church of Ephesus to know, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and then his incomparably great power for us who believe. So first off the bat, I want to look at two things, two things that Paul's praying for. Paul's prayers were two things right here in this chapter that he's thankful for, and then we're going to talk about what we can be thankful for as well. But number one, first thing off the bat, Paul's prayer is to know God better. That was for the church then, it's for us today. This is Paul's prayer of thanksgiving. It's to know God better. So that tells me that the church of Ephesus knew who God was, 
They knew about him. They had a relationship with him. But Paul says, I actually want you to know him better. There is another way to know God better. Not just know him, not just know of him, but know him, truly know who he is. He's given his word as a revelation to us so that we may know who he is. That's a relationship. That's a God who loves us. He wants us to know who he is and know him better. So a lot of you in this room today may know God. A lot of people outside this church may know of God, may know about God, but do we truly know him for who he is? Okay, you can have a thousand friends on Facebook. Do you really know all those friends? I don't think so. You may have a mutual, well, I have a mutual friend, one mutual friend. Okay, right, a third cousin, your mutual friend that you know this person, that you don't know anything about. I look back at my, 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 my friend's feed on Facebook or I see who I follow on Instagram, and I'm like, who is this person? How, how do I know them? I have no clue who they are. We know of these people, we know about them, but do we actually know them? So that's what Paul's saying to the church. He's saying, look, Ephesus, I want you to know God better, and there is a way of knowing God better. There is a way of knowing him better. It's simply by being in his word and constantly being in a fellowship of just praying with him. Praying with Jesus, praying to Jesus, thanking him for everything he's done. Prayer and reading the word can help you know God better. That's Paul's prayer for us. That's Paul's prayer for them, to know God better. The, the Bible says that we can know God better, and that's by his spirit. Paul kind of gives us the formula of how we knowing God better. Look at it again in verse 16. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Then in verse 17 he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So we have the Bible, we have prayer, but now Paul says, this is how you can know God better. You want to know how you know God better? God gives you his spirit of wisdom. God gives you his spirit of revelation. Some of you don't have that. Some of you need to ask God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can just know you better. Because there are going to be some Christians that make it into heaven, barely. The Bible talks about that. that there are, there's going to be Christians that were fruitful on the earth, loved God for who he was, were, were true to his name, and they made it into heaven. There are, going to be, there are going to be some Christians that kind of barely make it in. They didn't really do anything for the kingdom. They're still a Christian. They got saved, but they didn't, they didn't really bear fruit. They didn't really do anything for God's kingdom. They make it in. So Paul says, I want you to live a life to the fullest and know God better. You can know God better. You don't have to just know of him. Or I know a little bit about him. I want to know him, truly know him. So ask God maybe to give you a spirit of wisdom, to give you a spirit of revelation, what he's telling you to do what he's calling you to do. And God's calling all of us to do something. If you're a Christian today, guess what? God's gonna call you to do something, whether you like it or not. I'm not saying to go to the third world countries and be a missionary, although that may be possible. God may be calling you, some of you, to do that. But he may be calling you to do something simply by going to your next door neighbor and preaching the gospel. So get ready, church. If, if God calls you to be a Christian and he's giving Jesus and he wants you to follow after him, having a relationship with him, guess what? He's gonna call you now to do something. He's going to give you a task. But let's ask first for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's how we can know God better. That's number one. Number two, what Paul's prayer was, was to know God's blessings. It was to know him better and now understand and know God's blessings. That's the very next verse. Verse 18. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened, basically in the Greek, in order that you may know. Then he gives us three things. He says, I pray that your eyes of your heart, your spiritual eyes, 
Not the physical eyes you see, but what your heart sees, who you are as a Christian, the eyes of your, open to be, the eyes of your heart to be opened so that you may know these three things. And this is what he says. Number one, that you may know the hope to which he's called you. So we talked about this. God's called every one of us to do something. And you have to figure that out, what that is. How are you going to figure that out? Being in his word, praying. God's going to open doors. He's going to open the eyes of your heart that you're going to see things that only he can see that others may not see around you. He's going to give you his spiritual goggles, if you will, his spiritual lenses that you can now see things that you never saw before. God wants to give you the hope of his calling for you in, in your life. So Paul's praying that. He says, I hope that you guys know the blessings God has for you. Understand that God's going to give you a hope now, not just a hope of what he's called you to do, but a, fu a future perspective hope that we don't need to look back in the past of what's happened to us. We don't need to look in the present really right now. We can now look at a future perspective and see, man, what does God have for me in the next five years? What does he have for me in the next 10 years? It's great to look back 10 years and say where God's brought you thus far. I love doing that. You look back in hindsight, see where God's brought you thus far. Now see where God's going to take you in the next 10 years. He's given you a future perspective now. You can know this hope of what God's called you to do. And again, God's called each and every one of us to do something. So if you're a Christian, don't, don't be anxious, don't be nervous. I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't really want to go to Indonesia. I don't really want, I don't really want to. Hey, you're on the same team, same team with me. I don't really want to go to Indonesia. I don't. And I don't have a problem saying that. I just don't have a calling to do that. But God's called me to do this, what I'm doing right now. I love youth. I want to preach to the youth. I want to give them the gospel. I want to see that they, they grow in the faith and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and see where God takes me after that, 10 years down the road. I don't know. We all have different callings that God's going to give us. God's going to call certain people to go to these third world countries. God's going to call some of you to go to your neighborhoods and preach the gospel. All right? The gospel needs to be preached everywhere. So he's going to give you a hope now for that calling. He's also going to give you the riches of his inheritance. That's the second thing that we can know. He says there in verse 18 again, the hope to which he's called you, and now the riches of his glorious inheritance. Now, we can be rich in Christ Jesus. He's going to give us his inheritance, the kingdom of heaven for us. That's a rich blessing he can have for you and me, that those that know him. He's given us a hope now. He's given us riches in Christ Jesus. And now number three, it says here, he's going to give us incomparably great power incomparably great power. And I love what it says there in that verse. It says, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and then verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's another blessing God's going to give you. His hope, his riches, and now his power. His power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be the same power that lives in you and me today. I'm not talking about power where you're going to lift cars everywhere, you're going to hold them on your shoulders, be like, look at me. The power of Jesus. No. It's a spiritual power. A spiritual power that you're going to move mountains spiritually. You're going to break down walls spiritually. You're going to share the gospel to those that feel that they're lost and unreached. And you're going to have this power now to give them the gospel and see people get saved. That's the best power of all. It's the best power. So those are the two things Paul has for us. To know God better and to know his blessings. But now I want to talk about what can we be thankful for and what can we be praying for in our personal lives? What does he have for us today? There's three verses I want to talk about. They're on the screen. Three verses that all revolve around being thankful, having this, this prayerful mindset of being thankful constantly. The first one is Psalm 6930. Psalm 6930, it says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. You can glorify God by being thankful for him. 
by being thankful for him. I will praise God's name in song. That's what we just did. We just sang worship. We're going to praise his name in song and now glorify him in thanksgiving. You can glorify the Lord by being just thankful for what he's done. And not just what he's done, but for just who he is. We sang that song earlier today, Good, Good Father. I love that song. We can just be thankful for him for who he is. He's our father. A lot of us just say, thank you, God, for giving me uh, Xbox 360. Father, thank you for giving me PS4. Father, thank you for giving me free Chick-fil-A for the rest of the year. Father, thank you so much for this, for this, for this. We do thank God for a lot that what he's given us. Give, 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 give. Because we love, we love, we love stuff. God, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. Now give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. How about just being thankful for who he is? Who he is, he's God, and he loves us, and he has sent his son to die for us. So we can glorify him in thanksgiving. Number two, another verse, Philippians 4, 6. It's a famous passage. We all can memorize this. From Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So if there's times where you're going through stress, if there are times you're going through discouragement, if there are times you're going through kind of anxiety, guess what? Thank God for who he is. Thank God for everything else that he's given you. It's going to change your heart. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change your life. Give it to the Lord and be thankful for just who he is. He's going to change your life. He's going to change that moment for you. When you start dwelling on him and who he is and, start, and stop dwelling on what's going on in your life, the anxiety, the stress, and just give it to the Lord, be thankful for him, he's going to change you. He's going to change you. Present your request to God. God wants to take your anxiety and worry and stress on his shoulders. That's why he died for us. He wants that so that you and I don't have to bear that. And we can be thankful for what he's done in our life. Last but not least, a great verse, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. This is a great verse. So then just as you, just as you receive, I, I put your, I don't know why, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you, I said your again, as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We can be rooted built up and then overflowing with thankfulness for what God's given us. We can be thankful for everything he's blessed us with. I had you guys put your hand in Psalm 100, so I want to go there right now. We're going to end with this passage. Psalm 100 is one of the most well-known psalms in all the Bible. It's a psalm of thanksgiving, and it's beautifully written. You can see in Psalm 100, your Bibles may say a psalm in the subtitles, and then it says forgiving thanks. This is like the thanksgiving theme passage. I want to read it together. I want to read it for you, but follow along. Everyone should be looking at a Bible or someone else's Bible. Let's read it. Verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's that word. And in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Beautiful song. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And this is what thanksgiving is all about. You guys are going to celebrate thanksgiving this, this Thursday and maybe Friday. And, and look, we can get caught up in the moment of just, you know, having 
football on or having a bunch of turkey and the feast or whatever and watching Thanksgiving movies. I get that, and I love it. I do that all the time. But remember the heart of Thanksgiving and what we can be thankful for. And I want you guys right now, if you have a pen handy, if you have a, uh, an iPhone or something, I want you guys right now, everyone to do this. I want everyone to write down three things, three things that kind of go unnoticed, three things you kind of take for granted that you can be thankful for, not just this year, but for all your days that you live on this earth. Write it down either on your iPhone, a phone, a notepad, if you have a pen, we can pass out pens if you guys need them. But I want everyone to write down three things, three things that don't really cross your mind. Maybe it's your health. Three things that you can be thankful for. Maybe it's this church. Maybe it's the freedom you have here in America. And I don't know how much longer we're going to have a freedom like this. Be thankful for what God's given you. Three things I want you guys to write down, and then we're going to pray. But I want you guys to write down three things that come to your mind that you can be thankful for this Thanksgiving. This is crucial. This is, this is what God calls us to do. Glorify him in Thanksgiving. Glorify him in Thanksgiving. Be thankful for who he is. Psalm 100 again says, Enter his gates with Thanksgiving. And then it says, give thanks to him and praise his name. Giving thanks to Jesus is just like praising his name. It's like singing songs. Let's pray. And as I pray, we're going to pause in the prayer. And I want you guys to think of the three things you wrote down and to really thank God for these. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.